Kenny or T and um, Zen. So that's the other thing. Like I'm probably going to cipher through wearing glasses and not wearing glasses. So for the most part, this is T. And um, I was the one that convinced everybody else to just like do this because it's something that we wanted to do. So for the most part, I can't really predict it, but like I, I want to answer most of the questions, but also Zen is very like, we're going to rules and stuff. And I have things to say. So everybody has a little bit of something to say, because also this week at our uh, work from home job. So we work, we have like a government job and we spent this week explaining we're the only black person in the office. And we had to explain for a week what microaggression and anti-blackness was. Yeah. We did a, yeah, we did a, a job interview that was, it was horrible. We cried afterwards and then just got really upset and then went to higher ups and was like, okay, so this is what happened. And not that I want the position because I didn't make it or whatever, but it was just like, um, you should pay attention to how you're asking questions and who you're asking the questions to. Because Mm -hmm. I was asked a bunch of questions about um, how would, how is dealing with diversity in the office? And I'm just like, but it's just me. So what am I supposed to say? I guess I'm like, okay. where's the like, diversity? Yeah, yeah. And then it was answered back with, um, yes, the office is diverse because some of the uh, white women and men are partnered to indigenous people and therefore have indigenous children. And I was just like, that doesn't That's make sense. That's not in the office. No, no, exactly. And I'm like, that also doesn't address the fact that like, I'm black. I'm the only black person in the department. So yay, yeah. you're married to indigenous people, but like, I, I, I can't, it's not like they same. don't work there. So <laughs> yeah. On top of that. So it's, it's kind of weird like that in Canada because we do have specific um, like legalities that we have to make for indigenous people, which I definitely support all the way. But what, because it's mostly white people making the rules, what they're not realizing is some of the accommodations that they're making for indigenous people can be shared between uh, another minority group. And that's what I had to talk about for like a week today. Or a Jeez. week, this week I guess. Yeah. And I'm still in a human rights tribunal case with a theater that told me that I couldn't read for a part because I'm black and black people didn't exist in the 60s in Canada where my parents are from so that is uh, bullshit yeah yeah so there's like I've, I've been going for the last four or five months been experiencing a lot of like hyper racialized situations where before we would have been like ah don't talk about it because like it'll just go away and now we're just like, I can't, I, I can't not sing. Um, now we've gotten to the point where uh, if a, another white group asks us for our opinion and stuff, we definitely give them a um, price list. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to help you, but you're going to pay me for this because like, I can't, yeah. I can't do this free labor anymore. So even though I don't have a job at the end of this month, I kind of still have some sort of income coming in. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good yeah. thing. It's a good thing to like, you know, to, to charge for that because I mean, it's like when people um, that, what do you call it? Like with artists, right? And then they're just like, oh, you know, I'll give you exposure. And it's just like, well, that doesn't mean shit. It's just like, pay me for the work that I'm doing. Pay me for yeah. this effort that I'm going to, to freaking, in this case, educate, 
educate you about POC yeah. issues. It's just like, it's not just something that you should demand of black and indigenous people of color. It's just like. Cause what I think people don't understand is that when we do this kind of work, when we're finished the conversation with them, they just open the can of worms that we have to deal with afterwards. So nobody takes into account that, okay, you're asking me about like, what's the first time that you've ever experienced racism? That for me, like speaking as T, I have to, it'll take me four days to stop thinking about it. And then like with everybody else, it's just like a domino effect of longer days. So potentially you are giving me a month of like mental health work that I have to do to help you understand that you can't discriminate against me because my skin is black. Like it's like simple concepts that you don't get that you now have to ask, mm. ask a BIPOC person or you, you refuse to do like a Google search, which is like the easiest thing to do and you just don't mm. want to do it. People come up with the excuse of like, oh, but you know, stuff on Google could be like not true and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, um, it's, it's 2020. Like there are so like, instead of just selecting the first page on there, read multiple pages, multiple sources means multiple you're probably going to get an accurate answer. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't doing that here. And, and I'm the other layer of things that we're dealing with is the fact that most of the time when we talk about it, um, even Canadians, especially white Canadians themselves refuse to admit or to believe like racism is in Canada, where it's just like, okay, so we were basically taught when you got to Canada, it's the land of freedom. Do you understand what happened to people when they got here? Like guys read books free books yeah yeah so it's it's also having to for for me when I have to do that kind of talk I have to prepare prepare myself for the white reaction of like well that's not how it sounds it sounds like they were trying to help where it's like oh, now that you've got that out of your system I as a black person it, I'm telling you no that's not the way that that works so just yeah. accept it and believe like it's it's a, just a huge problem for people to admit that okay I have some biases because I do as well like I I know I have light skin privilege and before I was not using it at all because I didn't know how to use it because I was just like but we're all black but the mm. more I got to see it happen to also my sisters who are darker than me now definitely for sure I kind of like I have two other uh, friends that I kind of we call it trapping people, which is basically people will accompany me and be like, okay, so we need this done for this art thing or this theater thing. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, I've got two friends that I can bring along that they're really good and they're not expecting it. And I just bring these dark skinned black ladies. And I'm like, okay, bye. This is who I'm leaving you guys with. This is who yeah. does the actual work. And it's, that's part of me learning how to use that kind of privilege, but it's still also really like, it pisses me off that people are just like, oh, just because you're dark-skinned, like, I can't talk to you and you're dangerous. Like, mm, no. I think that's definitely something that's, like, not addressed a lot or, like, not acknowledged. Because I, I know as well, like, I hold a lot of, like, bias like that as well. Because I'm just like, yeah, we're quite light-skinned. And it's just, like, it took, I wouldn't say a while to realise, but because there was this big, you know, period of our life where obviously we were living in a very like you know it was pretty much just all white society right and so we were just used to being put down for our you know our skin color but then when we moved to Sydney which is so much more culturally diverse it's like we began to recognize as well that there are people that are you know 
from our racial background, but because they are darker skinned, it's like, because of that, a white person will look, you know, these two people and they'll pick me over them as a preference because I'm seen as less dangerous. But obviously if it were a situation where it was a white person and me, then they'd pick the white person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's Mm. been that kind of a a shell shock for me as well, because I, I moved from a place where cultural diversity was everywhere. And so I always compare it to, I live and I come from Montreal, Quebec. And mm. in Montreal, Quebec, the ra- there's racism there, but it's more in your face. Like, you know for sure, okay, you're racist. I can move on with that, whatever. Now that I live in Victoria, BC, where Black people make up for less than 1% of the entire population, it's super hard. And I've been here for five years, and I, there are still moments that I have to sit back and be like, I'm actually, like, I'm seriously the only Black person that this person has, like, I'm the first that they're talking to. And it's in, this is 2020 in Canada. How are you, like, a functioning person of society with just talking to one iteration of person? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So then when you're, when I'm talking to people, I also have to take into account that I pretty much am the only Black person that they're talking to. Like, they they Mm. never had a, a real interaction. And so whatever comes out of their mouth is like, they're super excited and they're just like, yay, I'm doing a thing. And then for somebody to be like, mm, no, that's racist. It does hurt. But at the same time, I'm just like, rub some dirt in it. Like we got to move on. <laughs> like you have yeah. to learn something and just yeah. kind of like acclimate to, to some kind of decency. So it's, mm. it's living here has been a challenge, a huge challenge because it's, I tend to forget, like, I don't think about the fact that I'm black all the time. So it doesn't, it's not something at the forefront, but it only seems to come to mind when somebody does something questionable. And like, I have to be like, but wait, does that mean, okay, so now I have to do the whole, Mm -hmm. do, how do I approach this? Because I've already been labeled as the mad angry black woman and, um, Within the last month, I think for me, I've, I've, I've just decided to accept it because not accepting the heading of mad, angry black woman, I find is me denying the fact that I have a right to feel that way. Like I have a, a right to be mad and angry just because people don't understand it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be mad and angry. So yeah, mm. I am mad and angry. And if you can't really see the reason or you, it, it makes you uncomfortable, I I'm like, sorry, not sorry. I'm not doing that anymore. So it's just a bunch of things that have happened as of late that have now pushed me into the corner of people labeling me as an activist. And I I literally, all I'm doing is talking about what I'm going through. I'm not um, making any community uh, organizations or anything. I'm helping people when I can, but I wouldn't label myself an activist. I just say, okay, fine. I'm just living where people are like, well, no, you're pretty vocal and people listen to you, but it's people are listening to me because of my light skin privilege. Like you're the safe one to listen to. So I'm going to listen to her. Mm. So it's like, I guess I'm an activist, but not really. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, um, sorry. Hey, Everett. It's kind of like if, cause they, you don't see people calling, um, you know, white women because typically in this case it would be white women but you don't see people calling white women you know activists just for just for speaking out against sexism right but then yeah. when a black person speaks against you know black rights it's just like oh you're such oh an God. activist 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I can no longer um, argue the point. It's, it's a huge waste of my time. And so I find for, for me, um, Zen, I have to um, logically figure out, okay, so if this person thinks that I am an activist, which puts more weight on the words that I'm saying, maybe I should or can offer them more um, tools to deal with their own discomfort. Because when I'm not wearing that activist hat, I'm wearing the actor hat for um, creative, right? And so with creative, what when we're doing our theater things, like we're, we're blending right now, uh, when we're doing our th- theater things, I definitely have to kind of keep an eye out because there are so many things that happen to them that like, if I weren't there, they would spend their time at rehearsals and at shows just crying because um, being told that you speak so well for a black person that, um, yeah, uh, that with the education that we have, assuming that like, oh, how many scholarships did you take? Where it was like, no, I definitely paid for the whole thing. Um, And then the other question of when a sibling comes to like see a show or whatever, being amazed that our six siblings, oh, you have the same dad? Like people, that's out, like they don't feel any way about being like, wow, you're, you're seriously just one family with the same parents? Yes wow, how long have your parents been, like, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that um, my family isn't comprised of, like, baby daddy or, or mama, baby mama drama, and it's like, okay, so you're asking, I know you're trying to be nice, but you know that these are, like, stereotypes that, you, that, that are making you ask this question of this person that you just met. You don't even know them, and this is the mm-hmm. proper questions that you're deciding to, like, wow, you have a real family. And some yeah. like freaking backhanded compliments though that you yeah. speak so well for a black person. Like, okay, okay. Yeah. We're really playing that game, are we? Right. Yeah. And when they find out that I'm bilingual, it's like, oh, mm. okay. So um, is it because you come from somewhere else? No. But where are you from? Canada. Yeah. Yeah. But where are you from? Western Canada? No. But where are you from? what are you trying to ask me right now so it's 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 a lot to kind of like push that narrative back on the people that make them uncomfortable because uh for me zen i don't i don't like being around people that are uncomfortable because the way that my brain works is just logical linear thinking so if you're uncomfortable with something that i said i'm not going to take onus for your discomfort so Mm. Most of the time people are just like, oh, you're so mean, where it's just like, it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. I said something that explains something that says that, okay, I want to engage in conversation with you, but you made a mistake. So I'm just going to correct you. And now you're taking it like, oh, she's mean. She doesn't want to talk to me. And she corrected me on something that she's going through. And now I'm going to be upset until she stops talking about it because I don't want to talk about it. No. Yeah. It's like, they just have the privilege of just being able to walk away from a conversation of racism. Yeah, yeah. And so this week in the office, that was basically what was happening because of, uh, again, the um, laws in place for Indigenous people. It is understood, which is super scary because this is government, that they feel like if they've made 
accommodations for um, First Nations and Indigenous people, that that would appease the gamut of um, minorities. Like it would appease everybody. Everybody is happy. Whereas just like, well, no, that's not how that works. And even the laws that you guys have in place for First Nations and Indigenous people, it's still systemic and it's still racist. Like, so you're not even making the group that you're supposed to make feel comfortable because you're living on their stolen land. Like, yeah. it's not even accommodating them. And then the, I don't know if I'm going to like last till the end of the month or if they're just going to be like, okay, we just don't need you for like next week or whatever. Because the last thing that I remember speaking about was blatantly just saying, okay, but you're talking to a stolen person who is living on stolen land and you're not doing anything to recognize the fact that on top of that, this stolen person makes up for 0.5% of the general population. So like, I don't even, when I'm out in the street, I don't even see somebody that looks like me very often or at all. So I understand that you don't know how to handle a black person, but if I'm trying to help you and you're uncomfortable and so you're just like, oh, we're just going to let her go, you're agreeing to be racist just to mm. let you know. Yeah. So it's just a bunch, a bunch of stressful, raceful, race-filled things that are happening that seem mm. to be have taken a jump since the um, George Floyd thing. And mm. um, because we're also very avidly um, active in the arts, that we're in a very bad spot right now where we sign a contract with a theater uh, because we worked with this person before thinking that, okay, it's not gonna be that bad because We've, we've done three shows with this person, meaning that we've worked with this person for a year and a half. It'll be fine. Sign the contract and realize that um, we are the company's token and uh, not really knowing how to uh, deal with that properly because we're supposed to be doing a show and stuff and all I'm doing is, is singing Negro spirituals. <sighs> yeah and having to explain why that's not okay. Later on tonight at like seven, I have to have um, a meeting with that theater company to explain to them why the idea of me singing Negro spirituals with everybody else is white, with people in the background being white, like the choir in the back, wearing shirts that say, I can't breathe. Don't do that, just don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And they're just like, yeah, but we're helping the cause, you're not. You're not, no. I'm telling you that, that you're not. So just don't. So now I kind of have to go to like present myself in front of a panel of white people to tell them not to do it. And it's literally going to be me being like, okay, if you guys want to do this, I have to step out. Like I'm not going to support. Cause yeah. You're not going to be the token type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do Do you find like since, cause it's something that I've been thinking about, right. Is since the, the George Floyd, protests is that so many because obviously yeah a lot of white people are, you know becoming more woke or whatever on the issues but they're just a lot of them are adopting such like a white savior complex like as in it's not like that complex didn't exist before but so many are just like i'm gonna help the cause by you know sharing this or i'm gonna you know post this hashtag and things and it's like yeah but what are you actually doing like actively doing. in your lives yeah and i i feel like it's just a it's more of a bigger, wider mirror to, for me anyway, to see that how um, 
how deep privilege goes. So even like the nice white people end up doing that because they don't know how to not center themselves. Like they literally don't know. So being in a situation where somebody who they're typically not known for being centered and when they're centered, it's for negative things. So me telling another white person like, hey, it's not about you, but like you can help me by doing, like I'm going to give you the things that you can do to help me. It's very like, wait a minute, but I'm supposed to be doing that for you. Like I, you tell me what you need and then I'm supposed to go above and beyond and give you more than what you asked for because that's the way that my privilege works. And it's like, you, you're going over everything. Like you're, you're ending up, I find a lot of uh, white allies end up speaking for BIPOC people instead of with BIPOC people. Mm-hmm. And nobody, I read something that said, um, no more allies we want accomplices and that to me was like yeah at this point accomplices is like you're either working with me or you're not working out at all because an Mm -hmm. ally i think like even the 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 language um perpetrates this i need a savior type of thing like i need your privilege i need you to do this thing where accomplices Mm -hmm. for me enters my head as like we're doing the same job you work on your side, I'll work on my side, and then we'll mm. meet up and see what, what we can do together. So yeah. it's, 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 it's a thing of like white people having to collect their white people that's problematic here, at least, because nobody wants to do it. So it's yeah. just like up to like white skin privileged people and um, maybe like a white, usually a white woman who's married to a black man that is just like, I fear for my son. And it was just like, if you didn't have a son, like, what would you do? What, what, yeah, exactly. what are your views? Yeah, so it's just the thinking that, like, now that I'm partnered with a Black person, I'm now part of the cause. No, that's not how that works. Yeah, and especially, like, companies as well that are, like, uh, a lot of the companies that got on board with the, what was it, it, people on Instagram were, like, sharing, like, for Blackout Day, right? Like, so many companies just getting on board with that, and it's like, yeah, but why are you getting on board? Like, is it because you truly believe in it, though, or is it because you're just doing it because every other company is doing it and you feel like you have to? Or so many, like, you know, shows that are being pulled from, like, Netflix and things, which, yeah, it's great and all, but it's like, that's not what Black people need. Like, that's not what BIPOC people need. It's like, we need actual change. We need people to see us as people and to not see us as, like, you know, less than. Yeah. that's that's what we need. We don't need a couple of shows to be pulled from Netflix. We need something way bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge advocate of um, uh, having the top look like the bottom. Like if you want diversity, if your diversity team doesn't look like what you want, you're never going to get it because you, you don't have those lived experiences. You don't have that kind of information. And even if you're like peer editing a, a paper that's written by a, a BIPOC person, um, that peer editor, if they're white, is go ends up all the time. I've never read an article that was peer edited by a white person that didn't get glossed over. And like you can tell that a white person kind of edited it because they've taken out or readjusted some of the point of views or the actual lived experience of that black writer where you're just like okay so because that peer your peer editing squad or whatever are just usually white men you're asking a white man to peer edit a black woman's like that doesn't make any sense yeah and so it just it ends up very homogenous and just gross so there's there's like a lot lot of change that that needs to happen which like 
for me, because since I moved here, all of my information, like getting even for my diagnosis happened like online with research, research, research. And Mm. I'm super happy that you're doing this because this for me, looking for any kind of representation and any conversations like this for me was super important. And I, I spent like a week going through videos of like mental health and like seeing, okay, um, BIPOC people and not seeing anybody that either looked like me or had similar experiences to me or had the same background. And it made me feel like, like, do I exist? Like, do, do I have a place? Like what's, what's, what's the deal and so for me when I started to uh, just uh, vlog about my experiences in mental health online on my YouTube thing was basically I want to, to leave some kind of material for somebody else who might be like me that's just like I don't have access to like medical whatever but I know what's happening to me is real I need to know and I need to see and I need to hear and so like as flawed as most of my videos and chaotic as they are, because we're all doing them, I definitely appreciate, especially this kind of content that covers the, yes, the, the kind of rainbow of mental health, but is pointing out the way that I find help is not the way that you find help, but the, the kind of same struggle that we have is because we're BIPOC. So mm. it's, I, I'm very like super happy that like this is happening because of the fact that I think more people need to be exposed to this because on top of that for me people are like oh you live in Canada so you get everything for free hell no 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 that is not how that works and like mm-hmm. the only reason why um, we are getting help is we had a horrible work experience that the business had to find us help. So Mm. before we got into that job, we were looking for um, like a psychiatrist and we were looking just basic mental health, anything, and we weren't getting it. And then the, my sister, um, my biological sister is schizophrenic and she needed help before. And she also needed to have a huge crisis before they got the help that they needed. And for me, that's frustrating where it's just like, I technically, I almost died. And now they're just like, oh, maybe we should help her where before I was literally walking into places and being like, okay, this is happening to me. This is what's going on in my brain. I need some kind of assistance. And it feels like my experiences, the more eloquent I was and the more precise I was about asking for the exact help that I needed, mm-hmm. they figured if you know exactly what's happening to you, you don't need help because you're, you're, you're too educated, you're too smart, you are, you're too clear about exactly what you need. That's not how mental health works where I'm just like, it's because I have spent so long in this chaos of like, what is this? That you, you do develop a kind of exact language for what's mm. happening and what's going on. But um, yeah. for my experience here in Canada, definitely um, I'm still going through it where um, people are still commenting about, but you know exactly what you want and you're very educated and you, you speak very well. Why are you still seeking help? Cause I'm still not okay. Like, I don't know how else to, to kind of word it. When you, um, when you mentioned there as well about not being able to receive help until you're at crisis point, like I remember trying to get, and this was actually even after, because initially when I had like my first, I guess, 
big breakdown, so to speak, where I did have to be hospitalized and I ended up moving um, back to our hometown trying to get help. It was like, I was complete, like I was declined from one of the local mental health centers because I wasn't, you know, sick enough type of thing. I wasn't, you know, in enough of a crisis type of thing because this is after I'd moved back. But then after I had another breakdown when I was there, then they took me on board as one of their clients. And it's like, why does it have to wait until that point? It's like, that's where there's, that, that's part of why there's so much, you know, of a problem in so many people's mental health, just getting to that point and so many, you know, suicides and things like that, because there's not help. Yeah. And, and like for my sister and I, um, if we didn't reach crisis, I would not be able to pay for any of the stuff that I'm getting any of it at all. Neither would she. And that's part of the problem with like free healthcare where I don't know if anybody else has gotten this from like their Canadian doctor, but like walking into a mental health facility and having them like do the whole like, okay, let's see how scrambled that is or whatever. And then before they give you the diagnosis telling you like, this would be so much easier if you had like a broken leg. Like, how am I Mm. supposed to respond to that and that that quote is is it feels like it's just something that prevails or is prevalent within the medical the medical system for uh, mental health here anyways like I literally just want to walk into my talk therapy and just speak how I want to speak and not having to police my language because I don't want to explain like some of the colloquialisms that I use I don't want to have to, oh, I don't understand what that means. Like, ooh, I, it, it takes me out of, like, I'm talking to you to get help. Now I'm talking to you to teach you. Especially with, like, Black females or Black femme presenting people, uh, a lot of the times white women will just mammy their problems to that Black person, expecting them to be the magic, I'm going to fix it. And when I haven't, or when I've called them out, like, okay, that, that's, put that back in your box because that I'm not here for that. Like I'm not trained. I'm like, no, then it it's, I've been like given medication because I talk back too much where mm. I was very combative about like taking it because I didn't want to, because it was literally like, you don't like the fact that I'm talking back to you to have to go to like two to three other doctors for them to, to get to one doctor that realized that, Oh, it's just because she reads books, so she has information that she likes to share. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's for me my my um part of the I guess the, the prob problem with me when I do get help is I have now gotten used to hiding my educational background from people because mm. as soon as they know that, it's just that okay, so you're smart. Why are you here? And having to explain to the one talk therapist for the DID is like, do you not see how that correlates? I have three degrees because three people wanted to do three different things. And that's what we ended up with. None of the degrees go together. None of them go together. And because they're educational, you're just like, no, okay. So she's like a a smart black person. And because I'm a black person, you're also very wild that this that I have these degrees for me it seems it's very blatant that okay 
I wasn't there. This was either tea or creative because they're so different. But then it is kind of packed in because their understanding of black people is, oh, you people are just eclectic. No, this is this was a problem for like decades. And this is why I'm here. So then having to kind of like right now with my talk therapist who is okay with all the DID stuff, having that first moment of having to being comfortable enough to switch out and for um, basically creative to be like, okay, so you've been talking to me for like six months and you like, how is there anything that you can tell? Because of the fact that the more used to us that he got, the more he started to raise about like, oh, this sounds different. This looks different with me being like, because it is, because it is, it's not something that I've chosen to do. It's different because we're different. And when it clicked, when like creative switched out and it clicked for them, that's when he was like, oh, okay. So I need to do a little bit more research. Yes, you do. So I'm, I'm glad that I have him, even though he's like a white guy, but because he's willing to do the work to find out like how things link together. And he's willing to come to the table and be like, okay, so I read this about your condition. And I read this about like, what's culturally okay for black people. Is this a problem that you want to fix or is this something that goes together? That to me is just like, oh my God, this is great. Because of the other thing that people don't understand is the um, family dynamics within the gamut of black people, like how that works out. So for me, my my parents are from Trinidad, so we're Caribbean. So there are, there's a, a certain kind of like, kind of, open speaking relationship that we have that even if they say like shitty shit, they're still going to say it and I'm not going to hate them for it. And, and that part of that relationship was, is a fact where for talk therapy, most of the therapists that I had were basically, Oh, so just stop talking to your parents where I was just like, that's, but that's not the problem though. That's, that's just how it is. So it's, it's, picking up or saying that, okay, I have a Caribbean background and then people just um, kind of relying on the fact that basically I've said that I'm from Trinidad, that my parents are from Trinidad and most of the time people are just like, oh, so it's Jamaican. No, it, it's, no. they're different. They're not the same. No. So uh, I, I, I'm sorry that the only kind of Caribbean experience that you have is with Jamaican people, but I'm telling you, like, we're not one and the same. We're similar, like apples and oranges, but you can't say that I am the same as a Jamaican. Like it, 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 it doesn't work that way. And it's the willingness to accept that or not. And I find for just black issues in general, it's either they don't accept it or they're very uncomfortable. So they're just like, let's put that on the side and we'll, and it's like, you can't progress further if you don't understand like the, the root of where people are coming from. So mm. for like, any type of, especially like uh, dealing with uh, PTSD stuff for us is still rather difficult because of the fact that seeking help for the PTSD has given us more PTSD because it's just like, you're just running through medical trauma and medical experiences where people don't care and they don't give a shit. So you're literally making the sacrifice of like, I know this is gonna like kick me in the ass afterwards. I know right now, this is a trauma response, but I need to get at least like one sliver of help. And I can only get to that help if I go through this horrible situation. 
Mm, so like, like the leaping the, through like all these like hoops and everything like that. Yeah. 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 So for me, I know that, um, like for us generally, I know that our, our experience of trauma has gotten bigger in a different way in that it's not because of like people we knew kind of screwed us over. It's we're, while we're looking for help was a, another leg of trauma that we were not prepared for. We never thought that like, Oh, looking for help is going to like, give us more like anxiety and more depression, never figured it. And then when we started to understand, okay, like this is what it is because we're black. We can't really change that. It was, it, it, it gets depressing sometimes because of the fact that like when we first got diagnosed with DID and then it shifted to OSDD, then back to DID, um, the question or the the more time that most doctors spent on the fact was not being okay with the fact that we're all black. They were very much like, well, no, because you're supposed to be different. So where's your white altar? I don't have one. I don't, I don't, I don't have one. And if I did, I don't know. I don't know. Like we're all black and mm. being told that, okay, well, it can't be DID or OSDD because you're all black. Where I was just like, how does... That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand the logic to that at all because it, it we're, we're different. Like I have physical and actual kind of quantifiable facts that we're different, but I'm just telling you that we were all black presenting. That's, that's it. Mm. And now you're telling me because I come from a black family, the body's black anyway. And so it's, it, it's less DID or OSDD because all of the alters cannot present as the same culture. Like, so oh, we, oh my God. yeah. How have you found the whole, you know, community saga amongst, you know, people claiming to have altars of different races? Like how, how have you found that experience when trying to actually like explain to them that that's not, you know what I mean? Like, what's your opinion very, on all of that? It's very angering. Like I have tried the calmest of us, which is Melody who rarely comes out now um, is very like so nice so sweet so nice but the the kind of visceral reaction that people have for us telling them that like you okay yes your altar is has black skin in their in the inner world i get it. okay fine that's cool but when you are using a non-black body in the general social scheme and population of things, you cannot therein um, pick up the quote unquote plight of black people because you, you, you're just, it's, it's performative. It's going, and it's, it's as, as an alter, like thinking about my other alters, if we were ever in that kind of situation, that would be a dangerous situation for them. Even if they're like, they're using a white body. Okay. A black, black alter in a white body when they switch out, if your, if that black altar takes up a, um, start saying I'm black and I'm proud, that is problematic because of the fact that nobody else has access to your inner world. And also because your body is white from the time that you're incepted into the world, you have no direct experience of what it is to truly be black in a social setting. Like you have no idea. So whatever that has happened within your inner world, 
I'm not trying to discount anybody else's inner world, but like, even when you populate that inner world with NPCs, your brain will take things that it's used to seeing and that it's used to experiencing. So even if in the inner world, let's say your black altar does experience like discrimination from another altar that isn't black, it, it, it doesn't equate to the same thing. It's not, it, and it can, it never will. And so mm. to kind of placate that black altars need to find identity or to relate to um, other black people, you can read books, you can watch movies, you can fill your friend circle with a diverse representation of people, but you cannot, I would not support anybody who will outwardly say, okay, I've switched out, my altar is black, so I'm black right now in this moment. And you're not in a mm. black body, that's wrong. And, th yeah. so, and that also kind of makes of my experience being having black altars and being in a black body um, kind of less than, like you're giving people a, an opportunity to downplay or not believe what I'm saying or what I'm going through because your white friend with DID that has like a black girl altar doesn't have the same thing and she's rather nice where I still have to say that like it's because your your actual skin in the general social scheme of things isn't mm. black so you don't know what that what levels of discrimination are in the the actual world because that's it's just based on the body that you have. So I would rather, I'm way more comfortable with somebody saying that my altar has darker skin. Cool. That's fine. Because mm. the other thing that people don't understand is the fact that uh, when you say I have a black altar, this is what I had to explain for the, the, the week to my white colleagues is the fact that when you use black with a capital B, it's because of colonization and not having a trail of where I actually come from, black is now an iteration of my culture and the experiences of that culture. So mm -hmm. for you as a white person to have a black altar and be like, okay, so now I'm black, you, you still can't do that. You still mm -hmm. can't do that because you don't have, historically, you, you also don't have that information in your biology, in your, yeah. your, your body, like it, it doesn't exist. So it's still offensive, I find, to say that I, I my altar is black. At one point, we were very adamant about being uh, extremely involved in the DID community. But then we had three separate experiences of people negating the fact that we were black and giving people, like, just trying to give people information about, like, okay, what you said is kind of problematic because X, Y, Z. And having that backlash and having to sit back and be like, okay, so pick your fights. Does this actually make a difference for how we live in the world and how people see us or whatever? Half yes and half no. Half yes, because if people are looking for information and they fall on the DID community and they read about it or whatever, the other, the no part about it for me is realizing how old the body is. So with how old that, that the body actually is, it doesn't matter because we were 38. So like having representation for anybody who is in their mid thirties, early forties, fifties within the, there, there's nothing, there's nothing there at all. So whatever um, information that people glean from going through that community and going through videos and going through um, write-ups and stuff, 
when people have approached me about it that I've been open about the fact that I have DID, it's less on the, oh, you belong to this community because of the fact that they know how old the body is. They're asking, is it, was it like this when you started? And then having to explain to them, I started my DID discovery, like of being part of a community within the last two to three years even because there, like before there was no space for me. Literally when I started, uh, my only um, example basically was you. As soon as I saw your videos, I was like, okay, so there's a possibility. There's a possibility that other people, other BIPOC people are doing this. And there were um, issues and situations that how either one of your alters spoke about it was just like, okay, it was literally being able to find your content and feel like, okay, we exist, we're out here. And part of the not having the representation there for Black people is the fact that I understand that there is a point of wanting and needing to hide to stay safe. Mm. So for me coming out, especially online, so scary, but also part of everybody's like agreement was that the life could be more dangerous for us. Like I, I, we still understand that we still go through that like right now. And part of not having that much representation within mental health until like recently is because that um, the way dissociation is kind of ingrained in black bodies I think people are now starting to understand that it isn't so much like trauma happened and we needed an, ex an escape and then we can just drop it. It's because society is very systemic and racism is very prevalent. Dissociating is my safety net, is, is definitely the one thing I know that can guarantee at least I'm safe inside my body. Whatever happens to my body, I, I don't really have that much control over as a Black presenting female person but dissociating to a level of either like halfway or completely blanking out time is keeping me safe. I'm, I'm alive now because of the fact that I have been able to rely on dissociating so much through so much trauma that it has kept part of my brain that is able to interact with people safe. Because mm. if I feel like if I didn't, I, I would not be as verbal as I am. None of us would. And so like we even, my, my trauma holder doesn't speak at all. But when they do front with an older um, person, it's because we've been so um, adamant about protecting how we verbalize and vocalize ourselves we're able to vocalize how that alter feels because we have the words that they don't. And mm. anytime that I think about what if we never dissociated at all or, or never had this condition at all, I feel like we would just be an older version of that trauma holder who cannot function on their own at all, at mm. all. So it's like a scary realism to, to live with constantly to know that like, when we started going through trauma, it was so bad and this is the result. Like this tiny human with no words at all is the result that could have resulted into being a grown, a fully grown ass adult 
with no social skills, with no handle on anything. And again, as being a presenting as a black woman, it is the kind of like the usual to, oh, she's strong and independent, leave her by herself. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I also bring up, especially in my talk therapy about the fact that like, how much dissociation has saved me because now I, I, I don't think I, I can't live a life I find without any alters. That would, to me, that's a nightmare because of mm-hmm. the fact that I was left alone so much to fend for myself. My brain definitely was like, okay, so we're going to do this. This is what's, this is how it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. um, this is how we're going to live and survive. So for me, for my, my diagnosis and, and how I'm dealing with my mental health now has gone from how do I survive to how am I going to thrive with all of this? Because mm-hmm. there's the, the idea of, of um, not having any alters at all has never been part of my plan. It's never been part of our plan at all because of the fact that we don't trust anybody else outside the in the social scheme of things to kind mm-hmm. of like, be there and support us or whatever and part of it is because the trauma that we've experienced has been of that like being abandoned and then the other part mm-hmm. of that experience is we're in a black female body nobody really helps us until it's too late like yeah so yeah racism is definitely a big part of that yeah yeah mm-hmm. so it's it's dealing with like ptsd that we have in our anxiety and things has been a little difficult because of the fact that we are we push back on the fact that the 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 key to being healthier that we're always given is like, okay, we need to get rid of these alters. Where I'm just like, well, no, that's not that's not my plan, so I'm not going to do it. And mm. because I'm very much like, okay, well, we're not doing it. They're very much like, well, okay, so I guess you don't need help because you know what you need. And having to explain, do you understand what being alone in the world as a black woman is like? Yeah, and most of the time people are like, "Oh, but you're in Canada." It doesn't matter. So, it it doesn't, really doesn't racism matter. is is a global issue. It's not just limited to you know the, the United States. Like it's it's a global it's issue. Everywhere. I think, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I was thinking there as well that like when thoughts go out of my brain, do 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 do. What were we just talking about? Hmm. 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 Brain thoughts just talking what were we just talking about it is early um (laughs) (laughs) so creative here i just switched out and i um the last thing i remember talking about is not having alters Mm, yes oh yeah yeah there we go thank you thank you (laughs) Um, <laughs> thank you and hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, not having alters. Um, yeah, I think a lot of, because obviously, you know, in the community, people are so fixated on the alters aspect, but even in, you know, the, the, the medical community, they're so fixated, fixated on getting rid of the alters in that scope. And it's like, well, no, what 
we should be concentrating on in both communities, you know, if we put a Venn diagram for it type of thing, but it's like, we should be concentrating on that, you know, the PTSD symptoms on the dissociation. It's like, you don't have to get rid of alters in order to, you know, function with the disorder. It's like, no, you need to, you need to help, you know, learn grounding tools or things like that for when you are dissociating, because obviously, I mean, you know, in, in my mind, you know, and maybe that's just me thinking the worst of so many things in life, but it's like, I don't think my dissociation is just going to completely go away, even with years of therapy, but to be able to kind of have it under some level of control at points is like, that's what should be actually yeah. encouraged, not just like, oh, alter this, alter that and get rid of alters. It's like, no, that's not. Yeah. Yeah, so I find that there should be more of a concentration of the symptoms that either pull out and alter negatively and affect them negatively. So mm -hmm. for us, that's a lot of uh, PTSD and anxiety. And so most of the help that I would like to get would be geared towards anxiety and PTSD. Like, And asking for that kind of specific help usually gets to the point where they're just like, yeah, but um, blatantly, like, you've got other people living in your head. So what are you going to do about that? It's not a problem. Like, it's, it's, it's not, that's not the problem. The problem is the flashbacks. The problem is not sleeping. The problem is not knowing how much time has passed. That, and that's not because there are other people in my head. It's literally mm. because of the PTSD, because of the anxiety. So if yeah. you can just teach me how to do that, that'd be great. But then now I've been working on, um, like all of us have a problem with uh, grounding because none of us, one thing will not work for everybody else. So mm. um, for, uh, for, for me, blending um, with Zen and creative, um, listening to things help. And so... And it, we can't do guided meditations because guided meditations is too hard. <laughs> like, I cannot. I cannot. It is not. It's literally asking, okay, everybody, let's join at the table and just talk at the same time while this calming voice is telling you, like, just breathe in. Like, I can't. I cannot. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> so we've decided or we've gotten um, uh, into um, audio ASMRs where Ooh. it's a story it's so good and it helps so much so it's literally a voice actor in a played out situation where it's they're giving you the self-talk so um i've got like a bunch for somebody who is like your partner walks in on you and you're having uh, an anxiety attack so they're talking they're asking the right questions about like okay so what do you feel now um what do you see in the room so it's it forces me to do the things that I'm supposed to be doing without the guided meditation of like, okay, hey, everybody, we're gonna, it, because it's a situation, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like right now I have gotten to the point where I'm using therapy as like, oh, a suggestion of like, maybe I should look into that, but I am making my own toolbox of helping myself out because 
I, I can no longer wait for somebody to get the fact that, oh, you're black and you also have ovaries and you also have all of these things. Like, I can't, yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't wait for that realization to hit them and be like, okay, so now I can talk about it. I literally, like, when I'm able to go to therapy and I'm the one talking, I'm very much like, okay, so last week I had a panic attack because I went outside and I heard sirens and it triggered a flashback. What am I supposed to do? Uh, well, you could... Um, go to a park and you know so that's a problem going to a park so for me in my brain it's like okay i gotta find an audio in a park where somebody's having um a kind of like panic attack and because these are voice actors technically i can commission a uh, commission for five dollars to get 15 minutes of a situation where it's just like definitely catered to what I've asked for like they don't even have to know why they're doing it it's literally I have written a script read these things do a thing with it and send me like send it back to me for five dollars so um it's it's I'm realizing like the 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 journey to um healing or getting better I don't even know how to call it because like people are like I want to get better and it's just like I, I I'm good I just need to sustain it I just want to sustain being okay hmm. so having to do that I've had to make my own um, toolbox of things that will help me. So I'm doing, we're, we're all doing so well, like surprisingly well. And um, we can only credit that to the fact that it took a lot of trauma. It took a lot of abandonment for us to realize maybe we should start listening to ourselves because like, we should start relying on other people to be like, this is how it is. Because when we first started getting the whole DID thing, we were definitely relying on videos of like, this is how it's supposed to look like. This is what it is. And being like, mm, we don't have that. We don't do that. So now what do we do? Where now we're just like, whatever, this is how it looks like for us. Yeah. <laughs> how it looks like for us. And so this is how we would fix X, Y, Z. And then the other part of us is like realizing that um, we're in a 38 year old body. All of our alters are adults. Um, it's okay to talk about sex because like, it's <laughs> oh my fine. God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>